Welcome to Living Stones Church. We pray that this message impacts and touches your heart in such a great way. Enjoy the message. Today's message, go ahead and tell your neighbor, is titled, Not What I Thought. Not What I Thought. All right. Somebody tell them it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Matthew 9, verse 9 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew. Somebody say Matthew. Sitting at his tax collector's booth. Somebody, like, just go boo. Yeah, that's how everybody felt about him right then. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him, verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Verse 11. Boo, right? There it is again. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Come on, somebody. Oh, of course, they're so nice about it. I'm sure nobody was within earshot of hearing that, right? I, that's, that's, that, those are my favorite type of Christians, the ones that like to, to go in and say really mean things really loud just so everyone hears them. Oh, my gosh, can you believe them? People that wear that kind of clothing, the church, as if they can't hear you. Come on, somebody. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Verse 13. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifice. For I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you that your word is true. Jesus, thank you for being a renegade, a crazy guy in the midst of all these religious people. So, Lord, that you can show us the way. Show us how to love. Show us how to open up our hearts, our minds to see something different. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Where are my note takers at? Do we have some note takers in here today? Got some note takers? Good. Here's, here's the first point this morning. I will follow Jesus even, even when it does not meet my expectations. Oh, I didn't get anybody to read that with me. That's, that was really a challenging one. Can we read that together? I will follow Jesus even when it doesn't meet my expectations. Oh, now I hope, I hope, I know some of you said that out loud, and, and I, I, I hope that most of you, even with the best of hearts, mean it just a little bit, but I'll be honest with you, most of you probably didn't mean it. Oh, man, what a jerk. Why would he say stuff like that? Because it's the truth, and I know the truth hurts, but most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we have some expectations for God. Like if God will come through for me, then I, then I will serve him. If, if God will show off in my life, then, then I'll give him praise. Are you with me? A lot of us are waiting for God to do something so that we can, we can be happy. Are you with me? But we got to get to a place where it doesn't matter if he meets my expectations or not. It may not be what you thought. Can I be honest with you? My, my walk with the Lord, you know, there were certain times when I thought God would do something a certain way, and he didn't. Is anybody with me? Like, like I, thought, I thought when we started a church in French Valley that we'd be thousands of people within a year. It's going to happen. God promised it. We're going to see it. But it didn't quite happen that way. You know, we, we would grow, and then something happened, and then we'd grow, and then, then something would happen, and Oh, every time. Does anybody get tired doing the same things, hoping for different results? 
There's something that has to shift where all of a sudden we stop having the same expectations. We start seeking God for who he is and not for what he can do for us. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. I, I hope I'm preaching in the right church today. I don't, I don't know. They don't seem as excited, Lord. Like when you were telling me this, you said it was going to be good. And um, I'm a little confused because they're not, they're not very happy about this message, Lord. And Jesus came into the world and turned it upside down. The Pharisees were, were the religious teachers. They were the pastors of the day, the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were the ones teaching the word of God. And all the time throughout the New Testament, as you're looking at who, who Jesus was and what he did, he was questioned, ridiculed by all of these religious leaders. I wonder if today, if Jesus would be, even be allowed to come into the church. How many, how many of us are more like Pharisees than we know? Oh, it's got to be this way. It's got to look like this. How could your, how could your master, how could your, how could your pastor be sitting with such sinners? I mean, what, what would we do, church, if, if you, if you found me at the strip club? Oh, it got real, didn't it? It got real, didn't it? All of a sudden, what? What would happen? I'm not saying I'm going to the strip club. Don't get all crazy on me. But this is what you can imagine. This is, this is what it was like with Jesus hanging out with these people saying, hey, no, these people need to know God. These people need to, you know, it's so easy to preach the gospel to you. Did you know that? Because when you're sitting here with me, you shake your head and you go, amen, and you're like, yeah, that's good. But you know what's difficult? When I go out in the world and I start preaching on the street corner, telling the same word, the same truth, the same love. Oh, they're not so excited about it. How many of us are more like the Pharisees than we believe or than we realize? He did not meet anyone's expectations. I love what he said to them, as they, as they called his, the people he was eating with scum. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he sends them back to the word. Go read your word. Figure out what this scripture means. I mean, I, I don't see Jesus just sitting there like super calm while these people are, are insulting the people he's sitting with. I don't see him just going, well, you just need to read your word more and maybe you'll understand why I'm sitting with sinners. Like like he's from Sesame Street or something. Are you with me? Like, no. I, I'll bet he was like, hey, man, thanks for acknowledging something, Mr. Obvious. But why don't you go read your word and figure out what it means? Oh, goodness. We can't talk to people like that today, can we? Oh, that's just offensive. That's just mean. I mean, how could the teacher of God's word be associating with tax collectors and known sinners? This is disgusting. God's people were expecting a Messiah, right? They were expecting a Messiah, somebody who was probably, probably a military leader. That's what they were expecting because they're, they're sitting under the oppression of Rome. They're going, when will our Savior come and take us out of this oppression? When will they come and we can unite around him and become an army and come against this thing? That's what they were waiting for. But Jesus was like, no, that's, that's not what you should be expecting. He, he didn't come the way we expected. It, it, somebody say, it's not what I thought. That's not what I thought. I mean, maybe you came to church today and you thought that the pastor should be wearing a certain type of clothing or have a shave, clean shaven face. Maybe it's something you thought. You know, one of, one of the best uh, compliments I've ever had is when this gentleman says, you don't look like a pastor, 
You don't sound like a pastor, but man, I've learned more about God's word from you than I've ever learned in my life. I went, hmm, that's what I want to hear. See, because it's not about what I look like or what somebody else looks like. Are you with me? It's about seeking after the Lord. Are you with me? Uh, like you might wear different clothes than me. You might have more ink than me. You might look different than me. You might have a past addiction that I don't know about. But I'll tell you what, God still wants you and he still loves you. Hush. I never would have thought. This isn't quite what I thought, is it? Come on. This isn't the church I thought it would be. John 3, verse 1 says, there was a man named Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. A Jewish, Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Oh, here we go again. Hanging out with the Pharisees again, Jesus. Verse 2. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Verse 7. Do not be surprised when I say you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. i got to tell you, being born of the Spirit will change the entire trajectory of your life. Everything. It will. What you thought your life was supposed to be has now the opportunity to completely change when influenced by the Holy Spirit. Oh, now some of you, that's scary. You're like, uh, what does that mean? Um, how is God just going to take over my body and it's just going to be this weird robotic thing? No. What happens is, is you start being less of yourself and more like him. You start to see him in everything. You start to see him in everybody. Oh, things begin to shift the more under the influence you are of the Holy Spirit. There's something that just changes in people's lives. And we watch God do this over and over and over again. Being born of the Spirit will change your life. Somebody say, it'll change my life. Before any of us begin to follow Christ, did you do something else? Were you a different play, person, a different way? Where, where some of my, my Christians that were, were 60 plus years, were you different before you knew Christ? Has your life changed its trajectory? Right? I know some of us in here, our conversions might be a little more radical than others. Right? You saw something crazy and went, oh my gosh, this could only be God. See, this is what Nicodemus was going through. He, he, he's, he's not just a Pharisee. He's like the Pharisee of Pharisees. Are you with me? Like he's the teacher of teachers. He, he's the big boss. He's the big man. Are you with me? And Nicodemus sees something in Jesus that he hasn't seen in all the things he's read in Scripture. Going like, what is this? Who is this man that can cast out demons? Who is this man that can do these things? This can't be just a regular man. You must be the Messiah. Are you with me? Somebody say, it's not what I thought. That's not what I thought. You know, I, I can imagine Nicodemus sitting with Jesus and asking, are you going to start a war? Like, that's what we're all kind of expecting. Are you going to be that, that leader that we need you to be to, to knock down Rome? And have Jesus say, no, my kingdom isn't of this world. My kingdom is of the spirit. 
how does that make sense? We've been in oppression for so long, waiting for you to come, and that's all you're going to give us is some spiritual thing? That's it? Come on, but Jesus knew that we needed so much more. Like, how many of us are going through a different type of oppression right now? Rome has nothing to do with anything we do now. So that's overcome. That's done. We have other kinds of oppression all over the place, don't we? We have, we have different things just within our own mind. We have oppression. Are you with me? There's all, so many things going on in our life that, that take us off course, that leave us in bondage. And Jesus knew then that we would need him now. Rome's not a problem anymore. We're not, we're not, they're not working off of our backs, are they? Right? It's not a problem. Here's point number two for my note takers. I will let God lead me to greater purpose. I will let God lead me to a greater purpose. If you are going to really follow Jesus, I'm going to mess up your whole life. Are you ready? We're messing it all up. It's happening right now. You are no longer yours. I know that's not popular to preach anymore. I know it's, it's so much pop, more popular to preach on, on how you can be a better person and how, how you can be a better leader and how you can do these things and, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's true. But not until you completely submit and surrender. Oh, see that part, we're, most of us are, are good with like all the good stuff, like bring the good stuff. I, I'm good with, hey, make me a leader, Lord. Uh, I'm ready for you to use me, put me on stages in front of thousands of people. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's, that's a lot of us, whether we want to admit it or not, maybe not as flamboyant, but, you know. But here's the thing. Most of us aren't ready to get in the trenches. We're not ready to get in the trenches. You know, we don't even want to go in our own trenches, let alone someone else's trenches. Are you with me? Like, a lot of us don't even want to face our own stuff. Like, we just want a pastor to come up and tell us that everything's going to be okay if we just, we just wait it out. But what if God's asking you to go into battle? What if God's asking you to step out of your comfort zone and step into something more? What if God is asking you? Like, when I look at these disciples, it was, they, they would drop everything and go. What was it like for Matthew? What was it like for him? Everybody hates this dude. Like, he has been calling all of their, all of their loans. You're overdue. You're overdue. Some of the very people that were sitting with Jesus. Like, you want me to go with, with you and them? Like, I'm good with you, but them. Like, I don't know about them. Are you with me? Come on. Some of you are like that with me, right? right? I'm, I'm good with that church, but that one guy. Like, oh, I don't know about that guy. The guy. Ooh, the guy. The guy. Oh, not that guy. Like, that guy comes to this church? Oh, are you with me? Like, no, no, we're all here to follow Jesus. We're not here to follow the crazy pastor. We're not here to follow anybody in this room. We're here, all of us together, in our idiosyncrasies, in our, in our nonsense, to follow Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's that simple. That's how simple it has to be. Are you with me? It's not what I thought. You see, a lot of us, when we go to church, we think that we're going to have more rules and more regulations. Is that true? Most of us, when you thought, well, if I go to church, they're going to hold me accountable. I don't know if I want to be held accountable. Like, like, I like my night out with the boys on Friday. Are you with me? That's why we're going to go get crazy on Thursday night, men. Are you with me, right? Men will be boys. We're going to go have fun. And our wives can't tell us we can't. Are you with me? Amen. Like, I'm going to be shooting other dudes. Like, this is going to happen. Like, popping up. Bam! It's just like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down. Psalms 143, verse 7. It says, come quickly, Lord. And answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. Verse 8, 
Let me hear your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Verse 9, rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Verse 10, teach me to do your will. Somebody say, teach me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. Our battle is less about our enemies and more about and less about the world around us and more about hearing God, being led by his spirit, and doing his will. Did you hear me with that? It's less about fighting our enemies and fighting this world. Listen, I've, I've heard way too many pastors get on the bandwagon over this last couple of years. Oh, it's about fighting the government. It's about this and it's about that. Listen, the government is going to change over time. Rome was the problem then. Maybe it's the government now. It's not about that at all. If we keep our eyes on Jesus and we go after him, we will see the fruit of the Spirit come in our nation. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then it will be added to you. Like, if we can switch the vision in which we're doing things. Listen, you're not going to hear me preaching about that kind of stuff. I know. I, I, there's something in my spirit that tells me that, that there will be some sort of oppression for pastors in my lifetime. In this nation. Like, this is the first time in my lifetime that I've watched and seen pastors get arrested for preaching the gospel. So I know it's going to happen. It's coming. How many of us will be standing together is the question. Will we be standing in love? Will people see the love that pours out of you? Or is it just anger and bitterness? Listen, the church responds with anger and bitterness a lot. Oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts to see the same people standing on a, on a street corner yelling and angry at other people when, when this is really about Jesus the whole time. Would Je- did we ever see Jesus just standing on the street corner yelling at people? No, he didn't. He walked right up to sinners and touched them when they shouldn't. Rules said, you don't touch a leper. They have to stay this many cubits away. You can't touch a leper. I mean, his own disciples are like, no, 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 get away from our teacher. Jesus is like, no, 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 come, come to me. You see, we gotta, we got to switch this thing up. we got to switch the way we fight. we got to fight more for our hearts and for our souls so that we're seeking the Lord. Listen, your flesh is the biggest enemy that you have. It's the biggest enemy that you have that will lead you to death. When we respond in our flesh, that's, that's usually that emotional response, that anger response, that, that fight or flight mode. Are you with me? But when Jesus is responding to these things, like he's going like, listen, you're missing it. Get back to Scripture. What is more important? Are you with me? You guys still excited? All right. Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12. It says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit, somebody say power of the Spirit. Through the power of the Spirit, you put on, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Somebody say fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when, you adopt, when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Our job in this world 
Now, I know we all have occupations, and I know that we, we put a lot of thought and effort and things into those occupations. But can I be honest with you? Your occupation matters very little in the kingdom of God. When you get to the, when you get to the pearly gates, they're not going to ask, how, what was your tenure at, at your job? How long did you run then operate that business? He's not going to ask those things. He'll say, what did you do with the gifts that I gave you? And what we're here to do is be ministers to the people around us. Ministers to the people around us. Listen, if, if we have a problem with the way the church looks, the way the church feels, if we have a problem with, with the fact that it seems like church is going away, where did it go? Look in the mirror. This was a tough one for me. I gave my whole life to be a pastor, right? I gave up my six-figure income, gave up my job, gave up all those things, gave up my business, gave up college, gave up all of it to pastor. But you know what? As I was reading about this and studying this out, I felt like God still hit me and said, did you give me all of you? Oh, I, I was weeping, weeping knowing that I, I, haven't, I haven't given him all of me. I know he wants more. But he doesn't just want more from me. He wants more for me. Are you with me? He, he doesn't want more from you. He wants more for you. He's trying to teach you and show you that there's more for your life, but you have to give up more of yourself. Mm. As we give up more of ourselves, our own antics, our own thought processes, and we put it and set it before the Lord and say, God, what do you say? And he'll say, it's not what you expect. It's not what you thought. Are you with me? It's not what you thought. Being led by God's spirit is what leads us to a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment. I know many of us go in and out of fulfillment. Do you ever feel like, is any, just, just being honest, has anybody here ever felt depressed? Yeah, look around. You're not alone. You're not alone. You felt depressed. We've all felt depressed. I've felt depressed. Well, what happens is a lot of times I take my eyes off of Jesus and I start looking at my circumstances. When I start looking at my circumstances, depression seeps in. When I start looking at the way I thought things should go and they're not there or they're not there yet, it's amazing how depression will set in. I, I thought that when I said I do that this was going to be this way for the rest of my life and it's not that way. Here we are how many years later and it's not quite what I thought. Are you with me? But it's good. Somebody say it's good. I'm helping you, husbands. I don't know why all your wives said it's good. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hook you up for tonight. Are you with me? I'm trying to make your Sunday night a better one. Got to listen, guys. You're missing it. Here's point number three. I will not be a fearful slave because God calls me his child. I will not be a fearful slave because God calls me his child. The church, each of us, we're in an identity crisis, an identity crisis. We think, we think the things of this world is what defines us, what we do, how we do it, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. That's what defines us? No, no, not even close. You see, when we get to eternity, which is a lot longer than the 100 years that you get to live on this earth, when we get to eternity, none of that's defined by any of what we think is defined here. Oh, doesn't that just shift your head just a little bit? Like all the things that people care about. Jesus doesn't care about. 
I mean, the very Pharisees, as they walk up to him and say, why are you spending time with these people? He's like, no, I've got, I've got a kingdom mindset, not a worldly mindset. See, the world def- defiles us, but the kingdom defines us. Amen? The kingdom defines us. We have to get to a place where the world doesn't define you anymore. When you start to look at the things that everybody says, I mean, the stuff that's being taught in our schools right now is driving me crazy because it's creating so much confusion. Listen, kids are already confused anyways. Were, were any, any of you agree that you were confused when you were a kid? Are you with me? But some of us are still working through that, right? And then you just add all these other confusions on top of it. Gosh, man, like the kids don't stand a chance. They've got to know the word of God. They've got to know the truth of who God says they are. Otherwise, they're going to get torn apart by this world. That was a little tidbit I just added in there. Sorry about that. The world we live in causes fear to rise up in us. It does. All the time, fear happens. I mean, think about, think about the times you've been hurt by somebody. How, how quickly we get to the place where, where, where we've been hurt by this person, so the next time I approach a relationship, I approach it with fear. Well, if I let them in too close, they might hurt me. And so you start working on your story. You work on what, what you'll allow people to know about you. Because this is the version of myself that I want people to know and not the one that I actually am. Come on. But here's, here's the God that comes in and redefines you from the inside out. Redefines you. I mean, 10 weeks in Rooted is just the, just the tip of the iceberg of what God's about to start to do in your life. I mean, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or, or 50 plus years, God wants to do something new in your life right now. Right now. I'm too old for that. No, you're not, says who? Says who? I mean, the, when we say things like that, we're acting like Nicodemus. We're saying, well, how can, how can I go into my mother's womb? I'm an old man. I can't do that. Oh, we're missing it. We're missing what God's trying to show us. Somebody say, open your eyes. Tell your neighbor, open your eyes. It's time to wake up, church. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up, church. There is a a, a city out here just for us here, for people that are watching online, wherever you're at, your sphere, the people that you're around, there is a sphere that you're around that God deemed you worthy of breath today. You. He chose you. He chose me, but he chose you. He chose you. How are you going to use that breath today? If you give God control, if you ask him what he wants, it might not be what you expect. It might not be what you thought. Are you with me? He might change everything. Everything. Here's Matthew. Just working at his booth. Doing his thing. He makes more money than every other Jew in this town. Just having a good old time, right? He's, he's got his own booth. He's safe. He's, he's got a personal guard. I mean, he had his own personal pastor, AJ, just walking around with him. Only to have Jesus say, come and follow me. What was he giving up? To the world, he was giving up security. He was giving up what he knew. He was also giving up his personal life because everybody that he's about to follow hates him. How many of us that might even qualify for us? If I follow Jesus with all my heart, I wonder if my friends will like me anymore. I wonder how my family would treat me if I went all the way after him. 
I wonder how my how how even my church friends would think if I went all in. Like like coming to church and just hanging out and sitting on a pew. I, that's easy. I can do that. I'm down. I, I can even go to a men's group, women's group. Hey, just one day a week. It's not so hard. But if I went all the way in with Jesus and he told you right in the middle of, of a place where it would be considered inappropriate to talk about God, will you do it? See, we live in an amazing country. You see, in other countries, talking about God might be in death. Here it might be embarrassment. It might feel silly. I talk about God. It might e- you might even lose your job talking about God. But if God tells you to do it, do you think that he might have a better plan? Matthew, he's sitting there, and Jesus says, come. He didn't even ask, like, like what, are, what, is, what is the contingency plan? Like, like do, do you have a 401K? Are you with me? Like, are you going to tell everybody that I'm a good guy instead of a bad guy, Jesus? I just want to make sure, like, this is going to be a good situation for me because I don't have a lot of friends as it is. And if I leave here, I'm going to lose my only friends that I have. Are you with me? Following Jesus has a cost. It costs. But it might not be what you think. You guys doing okay today? It's easy to become fearful of expectations. How many of us are drowning in expectations? I know I am. Drowning in expectations. What everyone else thinks you should do. Where you should be. But when we come to the realization that our Father in Heaven loves us and will take care of us, and we realize we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. I think we like, we like reciting verses like, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His streets are made of gold. We like to recite those things. But then when we look at our bank account and it has, has uh, red numbers in it instead of black ones, start wondering if God's really real, if he's really there. Are you with me? I think there's a new level of trusting God that we can get to that says no matter what I see in this world, I trust you. No matter what happens around me, God, I love you. I follow you. Are you with me? If we can get to a place where our faith is greater than the circumstances in front of us, when our faith is greater than the things that start telling us that we're not going to make it, it's not going to work, when God already said it's going to work, When God already said, get up, you can make it. When God already said, I've called you for a purpose, and it's not to be laying on the ground. Pick up your bed and walk. How many of us have a spiritual bed we've been laying on for how long? How long have we been going to counseling for the same thing? Wondering if it's ever going to change. But we never ask the great physician, can you change me? Could you help me? Show me who you say that I am. I gave God permission to break me about two years ago now. And I don't think he's done breaking me yet. He's still working on it. He's still breaking things off of me so that we can get to the place where he wants to go. And I wonder if all of us prayed that same prayer and just asked God, break the things off of me that don't belong. It's the scariest prayer you can actually pray he'll do it and when he starts breaking that stuff you gotta see if you're gonna be broken that's a fear for a lot of us it's a fear for me it's going Lord how much more can I take 
how much more? And some of us are sitting right there right now. How much more, Lord? We get to that place. Nevertheless, your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. John 8, 34 says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Verse 35, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. For if the son sets you free, Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blessed your life in such a powerful way. Come visit us here at Livingstones Church in person at Dorothy McElhinney Middle School in French Valley, California, every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. You can also watch us online on our YouTube channel, Facebook, Church Center, or at livingstones.tv. If God is using this ministry to touch and impact your life, and you would like to consider partnering with us in your giving, you can do so by giving in the Church Center app or by going to livingstones.tv giving. We hope you have a wonderful week.